Section seventy nine of A Fair Mystery. This is a LibreVox recording. All LibreVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibreVox.org. Recording by Gabby Cowan. A Fair Mystery by Bertha M. Clay. Chapter seventy nine. What happened after midnight? my demands are few lady studley you are to be married to-morrow to early murray according to your arrangement according to mine nothing of the sort will happen but you will give your poet his dismissal and marry me instead i shall do nothing of the kind my lord she replied yes you will you will find that alternative bad as it is better than the fate that awaits you if you refuse i grant that it is a thousand pities matters have gone so far it is your own fault you will find yourself in a great dilemma you should have been more straightforward to-morrow instead of being married you must tell the earl your father who indulged you so absurdly in everything that you have altered your mind that there will be no wedding after all he cannot possibly be surprised at any caprice of yours it will cause no alteration in any one's plans as no one has been told of the marriage you have planned it all easily she said haughtily yes when one sees such determined opposition to a settled plan it is time to make arrangements i must confess that coming along i planned it all so as to give you the least trouble you are indeed kind she said sarcastically ah my lady i do not mind your sneers not the least in the world you must send for the earl in the morning tell him the wedding must be deferred that you have been thinking matters over and you have come to the conclusion that your happiness is at stake if you do not like to stay here after such a grand expose then ask him to take you abroad or anywhere else i'll join you in a few weeks then my wooing can begin and i will marry you she laughed a mocking bitter satirical laugh that drove him half mad i shall do nothing of the kind she said now for your alternative if you refuse i shall go away now to-morrow i shall return and before the man who is to be your husband before your parents and friends i will tell what you were to me and what my claim on you is very well she replied calmly i accept the alternative tell them i cannot answer for the earl and countess what they will do is of course a mystery to me but early will forgive me i feel quite sure of it he loves me so dearly he will forgive me and make me his wife you will have proved yourself a villain and coward for nothing early will never marry you he said no man in his senses would when he knows what i can tell him i will risk it she replied 
Do you know that it is even a relief to me that the worst is come? I do not know what I have dreaded, but I am quite sure of one thing. You will do your worst, and you have told me what it is. Let the sword fall. It has hung over my head long enough. Early loves me. Early is just as noble and generous as you are the reverse. Early is forgiving. He will be hurt and angry. But when I tell him how vain I was, and how you tempted me, he will forgive me. I do not think so, Lady Studley. Because you don't know him. You judge him by yourself. Even if he refuses to pardon me at first, if he thinks me beyond forgiveness, I will be patient and humble and wait. He will love me again in time, and my sorrow will purify me from my sin. A tender, beautiful light came over her white face. A sweet smile played round her lips. She raised her eyes fearlessly to his. You see, she said, how little you can do, after all. You might kill me, but you could not bend my pride. You could not incline my heart to one loving thought of you. So I perceive. Then you positively prefer open shame and disgrace, the scorn and mocking of the world? Yes, she said, I prefer it. You must hate me very much, Lady Studley. Sudden passion flamed in her eyes. I do indeed, she replied. No woman ever hated man more. And yet I love you. She turned from him with an air of haughtiest indignation. He followed her. Suddenly his eyes fell upon the white glittering bridal costume. What is that? he cried, and his whole face worked with fury, indignation and anger. Before she could interfere to stop him, he had taken the wreath and veil in his hands. He laughed as he held them in derision. Oh, fair, pure and spotless bride, he cried. Well, may they rob your unbridled white, hide your face with a bridal veil, crown you with orange blossoms. They will do well. She made a step forward and would have taken the veil from his hands, but he would not release it. See, he cried, how I serve your bride, I veil. I could do the same to your heart and his, if I could. His face was transformed with rage. His eyes flashed fire. Sudden fury leaped from his heart to his lips. Sudden murder sprung like a flame of fire that seemed to scorch him. He tore the beautiful veil into shreds. He trampled it underfoot. He stamped on it in the violence of his rage and anger. So I would serve you, he cried. So I would serve him if I could. She drew back as his violence increased. Not frightened. She was physically too brave for that, but wondering where it could lead him to. What he would do. Or say next you are the falsest woman under heaven he cried you ought not to live you are a mortal enemy of man a weaker or more cowardly woman 
would have taken alarm and have cried out for help but she did not know fear if she had but given the least alarm there were brave hearts near who would have shed their last drop of blood in her defence who would have died over and over again for her but she stood still with a calm sorrowful smile on her face so much for your veil he cried with a mocking sneer now for the wreath he took the pretty scented flowers from the box where loving hands had so gently laid them and crushed them into a shapeless dead heap that would never lie on your golden hair my lady studleigh he said she made no effort to save the pretty wreath his furious violence dismayed her and made her mute she saw him stamp on the orange blossoms that should on the morrow have crowned her she saw them lie crushed torn destroyed at his feet and she looked on in a kind of trance to her it was like a wild weird dark dream then he took the costly wedding dress with its rich trimmings of white lace and he laughed as he tore it asunder flinging it under his feet then pausing to look on his work of destruction with a smile there will be no wedding to-morrow fair lady he said ah dora why have you driven me mad why have you unmanned me why have you made me ashamed of myself there was a strange glitter in her eyes and a strange expression on her face i did not mean to be so violent you have driven me to it not that i regret destroying your wedding dress i would do it over again a hundred times but i am sorry to have frightened you you could not frighten me she replied and if ever calm scorn was expressed by any human voice it was by hers there came a lull in the storm he stood looking partly at the ruin he had caused partly at her she seemed strange to say almost to have forgotten him she stood where the light of the lamp fell on her dishevelled hair and flushed face the fragrant calm of the summer night reigned unbroken outside a calm broken only by the musical rustle of the leaves the moon shone bright as day its beams fell on the sleeping flowers and silvered the waving trees they fell too on the beautiful face with its look of restless scorn during that moment so strangely silent she thought of early early whom she was to marry to-morrow early whom she would marry let the morrow bring what it might no matter if her wedding dress were torn into shreds no matter if lord vivianne stood with a drawn sword in his hand to bar her progress to the altar no matter if the whole world cried out with its clanging brazen voice that she was lost she would marry him she turned to her enemy with a flush on her face a scornful light in her eyes 
you are but a coward after all she said a paltry miserable coward you can do me no real harm and you cannot take me from early you did not always think me a coward my lady dora there was a time when you delighted to sun yourself in my eyes you have not always held aloof from me as you do now i have held you in my arms i have kissed your lips i have won you as no one else will ever win you i like to look at you and remember it i like to dwell on my recollections of those old days ah your face flushes let me kiss you now he hastened toward her trampling in his hot haste on the torn shreds of the wedding dress do not touch me she cried do not come near me i have kissed you before and i will kiss you again he said i will kill you if you dare to touch me she snatched up the first thing that came to her hand it was the long shining sharp knife that had been used to prune the overhanging branches i will kill you she repeated with flaming eyes if you come near me he laughed but the angry blood surged into his brain he went nearer he seized the white hand that held the knife the beautiful face the white bare neck were close to him i hate you she hissed only god who sees all things knows what followed her words may have angered him to murder heat his passion of love and sense of wrong may have maddened him only god knows there was a struggle for one half minute followed by a low gasping cry oh heaven i am not fit to die it may have been that in the struggle the point of the knife was turned accidentally against her but the next moment she fell to the ground with the blade buried deep in her white breast the crimson life-blood flowed it stained his hands still grasping her it stained the torn wedding dress the bridal veil it soon formed a pool on the carpeted floor he stood over her for a minute stunned horrified dora he said in a low hoarse voice oh heaven i did not mean to kill her she opened her eyes and her white lips framed one word half sigh half moan early and then the soul of the unhappy girl went out to meet its judge he made no attempt to raise her he stood like a man lost the crimson stain crept onward until it touched his feet oh heaven he cried again i did not mean to kill her then his whole soul seemed to shrink and wither away with fear he had killed her it was the pallor of death blanching the lovely face and oh horror the crimson stain had reached the golden hair she was dead he had slain her in his mad frenzy he looked at the cruel knife buried in the white flesh he dared not touch it he looked at the face so rapidly growing cold in death 
he dared not touch it he would have given his life to have touched those cold dead lips but he dared not because he had murdered her he clinched his strong hands in an agony that knew no words oh heaven he cried again i have slain her he gave one hurried glance around on a scene he was never to forget the luxurious boudoir its hangings its lights and flowers the bridal costume all torn into shreds the crimson stain spreading so slowly so horribly the beautiful dead face upraised to the light the white breast with its terrible wound the quiet figure the golden hair and with a moan of unutterable remorse he turned away it just occurred to him that his only safety lay in flight the door was open that led to the spiral staircase the next moment he was creeping along under the shadow of the wall and lady doris studley lay dead and alone End of chapter seventy nine recorded by Gavi Cowan.